0: High. You are currently listening to the High Cost of Living podcast. So welcome back to the podcast guys and girls. I hope you didn't miss me too much. Now today's episode is fairly heavy. It's a documentary style podcast. As you can see from the title, I'll be discussing the complex set of social issues surrounding Vancouver's downtown east side. Now if you're a regular listener, you'll know that I've been planning on doing this episode for quite some time. And I've kept putting it off and postponing it. I've written a few notes on it and torn them up and started from scratch. And I've even shed a couple of tears during the planning and preparation of this podcast. Uh, no exaggeration, <laughs> Like I know I sound like a fucking baby now, but... um. Because from living down there and working in this area, I kind of unintentionally became emotionally invested in the whole experience. And it really opened up my eyes to some of the harsh realities of the world. I definitely witnessed some things I wish I didn't witness. But these experiences have definitely helped me grow as a person. 1000% and I've become a lot more charitable than I would have been before. I suppose what I'm trying to say is being down in this area has given me a genuine desire to help others whereas before I was kind of all about myself and now before we get into the nitty-gritty I want to share my reasons for doing this podcast and um, drop one or two disclaimers and give you kind of a table of contents so you know what to expect over the next half an hour or so. Let's start off with a brief disclaimer first and foremost. I don't want anybody here in this podcast to think Vancouver is a dirty, dangerous, dingy gaff. Don't allow the issues that I speak on in today's episode define your overall view of Vancouver. Vancouver, British Columbia, is a spectacular city, voted one of the best cities in the world to live in. The downtown east side is just one section that refers to is a 10 to 15 blocks east of the city's central business district. I always kind of found that fascinating like on one street you see Lamborghinis and McLarens and on the next street over it's like one of the most impoverished areas you'll ever see in your life and not even all of those 10 to 15 blocks are rough areas. To be more specific we're talking about Maine and Hastings also known as Payne and Wastings for reasons I'll get into in a bit. But to sum up Vancouver, honestly, it's one of my favourite places on earth. The landscape provides the perfect blend of urban city life, secluded nature, and beach access. Access to multiple beaches, actually, when you think about it. And I do hope to make it back out there someday. There's so many mountains to hike up every day during the spring and summer. And in the winter time, you can ski down those same mountains. Like, literally, if you wanted. You could spend half your year skiing every day after work, or snowboarding if you prefer that. And you can spend the other half of the year at the beach every day after work. It's a lifestyle I could never get sick of anyway. And sure, I could go on and on about the many great things Vancouver has to offer, but... That can all be heard in episode 5. It's an older episode I did there, um... For the newcomers in vancouver in the irish in vancouver facebook group actually we talk a bit about the many things the many great things that that make vancouver so special so definitely that's worth going going back and checking out if uh, you're thinking about traveling to not only vancouver but anywhere in canada now in my three years there i really feel like i did it right i did it all i visited all the lakes all the main tourist spots I lived in a posh area, I moved out to the suburbs, and then I moved into kind of a rougher area towards the end. Three gaffs in three years, so I think I got a nice taste of every side of the spectrum. And I explored BC in full and definitely soaked up all of the splendour that it has to offer. But when I told my friends about the downtown east side, their response, understandably, was, Jesus, Vancouver sounds like a rough old area. I wouldn't be in any rush to visit there. And that's not the case, really. It's a fantastic place with one rough area. And when you think about it, every major city in the world has a ghetto or a skid row. California in particular, like a lot of podcasts that I listen to are fellas in L.A. Like Joe Rogan was out there and he moved to Texas. Joey Diaz moved to New Jersey. And I think Ben Shapiro's on about moving out of there as well. They all keep talking about the decline of Los Angeles. Homelessness is on the rise due to the high cost of living. Pardon the plug, drug use and drug-related fatalities are on the rise, and it's getting to the point where the government doesn't even know what to. They don't even know how to deal with it. They've exhausted all of their resources, and nothing seems to be solving the issue. Has anybody watched the Cecil Hotel on Netflix recently? It's all about the scary hotel in the heart of LA's Skid Row, drug use, violence, sex work, and extreme poverty. All that nasty stuff. And that's exactly the kind of place I would compare Vancouver's downtown Eastside to. Very similar. Highly densely populated poor area. You know. In Las Vegas you have a huge community of people living in the tunnels. Right under the strip in Vegas. So when you're in the casino boozing or heading off to the strip club with your buddies. There's a tunnel underneath the strip. That houses. That's home for a lot of homeless people. That doesn't make sense, but you know what I mean. New York is facing a homeless crisis among a pile of other social issues. And a bit closer to home, I remember going to Liverpool on two separate occasions. And I was shocked by the amount of people sleeping rough. Now, I love going over to visit Liverpool, but that's something that always struck me. Like, I'd say literally every two to three minutes when you're walking down the street, someone approaches you and asks you for change. And my fear is that Cork and Dublin are kind of trending in that same backwards direction. As the population rises, the cost of affordable housing rises. Add in the fact that mental health conditions are worse now in Ireland than ever before. And that's before the the pandemic like. And the cherry on the cake here is that drug use in Ireland is constantly on the rise. And we're incredibly fortunate that fentanyl hasn't been a major problem here yet. But it's coming. Mark my words, it is coming. I don't know if it's going to be one year, five years or ten years. But cocaine in Ireland will be mixed with fentanyl someday and it will affect everybody deeply. Uncle Shane doesn't want to be the one to say I told you so but I'm telling you so right now. And I don't care who you are, who you think you are. Everybody has this false misconception that these kind of issues won't affect them because they don't associate with drug users but i'm not going to dive too deep into the issues surrounding dangerous drugs right now because there's a full section on the next episode dedicated to the vancouver's drug epidemic so please do stay tuned tune in for that next week and um, you know it might just be the wake-up call that you didn't even know you needed and the next little disclaimer I want to throw out there is like I'm well aware that the residents of the downtown east side, they they don't appreciate journalists or reporters or I suppose podcasters coming along and exploiting their area for their own personal gain. There are plenty of documentaries out there on, like, on YouTube and people are not very happy about it. Like people being put on blast, videotaping them in exchange for hot food or five bucks is it's hardly a fair deal you know i understand people want to document this people want to tell the story like myself but i feel like it has to be done right and it has to be done respectfully a lot of people claim to want to help but really only care about their views or how many likes their shock value story is going to get them like if you really want to help you can go and volunteer down there There are hundreds and hundreds of unsung heroes who give up their time to help out the less fortunate. They stand outside in the blistering cold, feeding people and assisting people in difficulty, like giving Narcan to people that are overdosing. These are the true heroes of the downtown east side, like anybody that wants to pitch in is more than welcome down there. You might be asking yourself, so Shane, what did you contribute? (laughs) Well, firstly, as you know, I'm not there anymore. So there's not much I can do from this side of the pond. But while I was there, I can honestly say, put my hand on my heart and say that I'm proud of the charitable work that I did. I volunteered in soup kitchens. I've given out free weed to many people that couldn't afford it. Uh, We hosted some pizza parties at the place I volunteered. We gave out Christmas hampers and I personally donated between one and two grand of my own money. Now, admittedly, I didn't want to donate anything at the start. I was kind of being greedy, my greedy old self that most people will probably know me for. But the manager at work and a few of the staff at the time, we had this scheme where myself, the manager, and the rest of the staff would pool all of our tips at the end of each. Uh, shift and at the end of the month the tips are donated to an orphanage specifically to children who lost parents to fentanyl and like i said at the start i was like lads i am a charity case myself i can't afford to be donating tips i have rent to pay. Do you know what i mean but um and as well as that i was pulling in about 50 quid a day it actually broke my heart handing over that kind of money at the end of every shift but as time went on i saw firsthand where the donations were going and um, i saw the benefit of our donations and i was genuinely more than happy to hand it over then like think about it i have everything i need truly like i can't complain these kids have nothing they have no family their parents just died of an overdose they don't get any decent food at the orphanage the place the orphanage themselves that they're living in is a dump And it's not even their fault. That's the worst part of it. Like they didn't put themselves in that predicament. So I definitely do feel like, you know, in the short time I was there, I definitely did my part. And um, why am I telling you this? Like, I don't want your respect. I don't want your acknowledgement. I don't want people out there to hear about my acts of kindness and think, oh, what a nice guy. I truly don't care about any of that. I am not tooting my own horn here at all. I'm only saying this because I don't want people thinking that I'm capitalizing off their misfortune for the sake of my own podcast. No, like that's not the case here. I've spent months helping people out in the downtown east side and not posting it on social media to show everybody how nice I am. (laughs) What a nice guy Shane is. I think that's that's kind of the sign of a weak, insecure individual. And that's that's not me. The charitable act that I am most proud of, however, is being a friend to those that needed one. Honestly, everyone knew our name down there. We would walk through the streets and um, myself and Lee now, we were like local celebrities at one point, And it made us feel good. It led to us forming genuine friendships with people of the street. And the ones that didn't know my name would say, hey Irish. I was known as the, the Irish ball guy. <laughs> People would visit me at the shop like three or four or even five times a day just to tell me about their day or keep me posted about their wheeling and dealing going outside, going on outside the door. And some guys would wait outside for me after work. And, you know, when the shop closed, they'd walk me to the bus stop just to get a 10 or 15 minute bit of socialising in before they wandered off into the night. And uh, I never felt the threat of danger like these guys were escorting me off the street, essentially. They were serving as security because at the shop, myself and the rest of the staff were kind of seen as um, like a friend of the street, a part of the community. And that came with a certain level of protection. Being my personal security guard gave these guys something to do. It gave them a sense of purpose in exchange for a few laughs. I'd always give them a few grams of weed and... um I'd give them leftover pizza or something like that, you know? I would slowly start to build up a friendship with these guys and then one day, all of a sudden, boom, they're gone. Never to be seen again. And in these cases, it's safe to assume that they died of an overdose or they got killed in a violent dispute with another street resident or, best case scenario, they went to jail. But when I see a friend of mine's face on a missing person poster, it's safe to assume that they've perished. And when I say friend, it's not a friend, it's like a favourite customer. Do you know what I mean? It's not like we're going out for pints or anything like that. But it's a guy you're friendly with through work, that kind of thing. And then you see them on a missing person poster and you're like, damn. And then it would kind of hit me like as I'm going to bed at night, I'd be laying in bed and I'd suddenly remember a joke that they cracked at the bus stop or a story that they might have shared with me on the walk down to the bus stop. Young guys too, like hilarious lads with an insanely good sense of humour. Like good banter. I used to think, like, how are these guys homeless? Like, he, this guy could have had a career in stand-up comedy. Such a waste of talent and sad loss of life to addiction and to the streets. Like most of my tales from the downtown east, I do have a sad ending, unfortunately. But that's kind of it for my disclaimers. The stories that I tell here today are all from my own personal experience they're all 100% factual I haven't added any extra spice for shock value or made them more dramatic for the sake of the podcast no 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 all views are my own and they're not intended to offend anybody whatsoever many of the tales told here today will have graphic disturbing detail and um, maybe you shouldn't expose your children shouldn't be exposed to this kind of podcast so if you're washing the dishes and you've got a few kids flying around in the kitchen or you're in the car with your with your youngins um i would say probably pop in some headphones because i don't want to be responsible for traumatizing your kids for life parental discretion is advised you've got your warning now let's get into it so what's the whole purpose behind this episode anyway? Why should anybody in Ireland care about what's going on on the other side of the world? One of the main purposes is to save lives. And I know that sounds far-fetched like, does Shane really think his stupid podcast is going to save anybody's life? Come on now, just hear me out. There is a drug epidemic going on in Vancouver right now. It was declared a public health emergency in 2016 in response to the introduction of fentanyl and the rapid rise of unintentional drug overdoses. But like I said earlier, there will be a full section of this podcast dedicated to the drug crisis that doesn't just affect homeless people. It doesn't just affect hardcore drug addicts or it doesn't just affect Canadians. It affects our neighbours that are going over to Vancouver after the pandemic. It affects your niece or nephew who might be over there right now. It affects your son or daughter who may want to travel there in the future. So please do stick around and tune in to the next episode. Part two, I will be discussing Vancouver's drug epidemic in detail. Now there's also a concerning threat of human trafficking in the downtown east side. And that's affecting girls and women that travel from all over the world to live in Vancouver. Also the girls who are born and raised in Vancouver and our own Irish girls who head out there every year, hundreds of them. But more about that later. To put things in perspective, if this, if this podcast episode forces one lad, Irish or not, to think twice about the substance he's putting in his body, I'd consider this episode a success. If there's a group of friends, Irish or not, hell-bent on going out in a bag for the weekend maybe this episode will at least encourage them to get their drugs examined at a reputable testing center to just kind of to make sure that the the drugs are actually safe for consumption then i would consider this episode a success and lastly if this episode gets shared around a few girls group chats and it forces them to move a little bit more cautiously i would consider this episode a success so when i say saving lives It might sound a bit far-fetched, but indirectly, I might be doing just that. And I spoke briefly about the drug epidemic, the human trafficking scandal out there. But I stated earlier that there are many, many social issues, complicated social issues, that make the downtown east side one of the most impoverished areas, if not the most impoverished area in North America. And the three main areas that I want to focus on over the next three episodes are the drug epidemic, mental illness and the homeless crisis. I think these three issues really tie in together uh, for the most part. But there are also many other aspects at play that have to be mentioned. They are how it started, like a brief history of it all, crime and violence, prostitution and human trafficking, Unemployment and lack of education, government and police intervention, fetal alcohol syndrome, Narcan and injection sites, diseases such as HIV and Hep C, Welfare Wednesday, Tent City and what support systems are available to those in need. As you can see, there are a lot of elements to be discussed. The story just wouldn't be complete if I didn't talk about all of the above. So I will do my best to touch on each and every point when it becomes relevant. And um, I'll share a couple of personal stories along the way. So strap yourselves in and brace yourselves for a bit of background about the weirdly wonderful downtown east side. So how, how did we get here? How did things get so bad? There's a lot of history dating back to the 1800s regarding the Aboriginal communities in Canada. I'm not even going to go too deep on that, but basically they are proud for they're the proud first nations people of canada i had a customer before and uh, we used to call him the landlord because uh, as far as we were concerned it's his land and we are just tenants (laughs) so we played along with it you know um but canada's historic treatment of first nations people has been oppressive they've been trying to exploit their lands and eliminate their culture but something that I, that definitely stands out to me is how well the Aboriginals keep their culture alive and thriving through art displays around the city and honestly some of the most eye-catching murals that I've ever seen in my life. You might often find them chanting or singing or banging the drum too. And I've worked alongside many First Nations guys and girls and I can honestly say they're the most kindest, hard-working, selfless people you could ever meet. The downtown east side has the highest proportion of indigenous people in the city, and um, that's what, 31%? When you take that into consideration, the way these communities have been so unfairly treated over the past 100 years, many of Maine and Hastings residents are First Nations. And like for various reasons, First Nations people suffer from many issues that hinder them from prospering in the world. Like, alcoholism is extremely common in these communities, and most of the time, it's really not even their fault. Fetal alcohol syndrome causes many people to be born into a world with a huge disadvantage. There are many cases where, like, mothers will continue to do drugs while they're pregnant or drink alcohol. So the baby is kind of born mentally incapable and dependent on a substance. That's lousy, like, do you know what I mean? this has gone on for generations and generations as well due to like a lack of education and support there's no support available to these people and um, it's kind of makes it very difficult to break the cycle years of diagnosed trauma and abuse is very common in the downtown east side and um, I hate to say this but it's literally a lot of rape victims it's a lot of Guys that have been molested by their uncle for years as a child or something along those lines. Beaten up as a kid or forced to use drugs as a kid. So how do you deal with that? Like you turn to drugs like heroin or crystal meth or crack or anything like that to numb the pain and escape reality. In many sexual assault cases, the abuser had been abused himself as a child. And that's common knowledge for anybody that's into true crime documentaries. Um, But it's literally a generational cycle that's prominent in the downtown east side. I'm not even generalizing or being stereotypical right now. Like I've had conversations with Aboriginal people and they've told me themselves how common it is. And I wish it wasn't true, but unfortunately it is. I wish that life was a level playing field and everybody was born with the same opportunities to excel. But sadly that's not the case here. Most people in these communities don't ever go to school, they're never taught any type of life skills. Uh they might have bad hygiene, they've got no social skills, um they've got self-awareness issues and all these all these issues are fairly common. Um Like, you might ask yourself, why don't they just get clean, get a job, help themselves a bit? Uh, Like, a lot of these folks are not even aware of the help that's available. Like, the concept of rehab or getting clean and working a 9-to-5 is completely alien to them because they've been stuck in a vicious, destructive cycle for their entire existence. They grow up watching their parents drink and do drugs, and they follow suit and they fall into this generational cycle that will pass on that they'll pass on to their kids and so on and so forth. Obviously like I said I'm not trying to be a stereotypical asshole and paint all Aboriginals with the same brush. Many of them are very successful, hard working and live very fulfilling lives. I'm strictly talking about those down in their luck in Maine and Hastings and there's so much more to read up on online about the first nations people of canada if you're interested in canadian history and learning about their culture uh how they've been treated so badly by the canadian government i would definitely um google some stuff or watch a youtube doc or something like that but uh at the beginning of the 20th century moving things along a bit the downtown east side was the political cultural and retail center of the city and over several decades, the city centre started shifting out west. The area began a rapid decline in the 1980s due to several factors. One, an influx of hard drugs. Politics that pushed prostitution and drug-related activity out of the city centre. That's basically the government saying there's too much illegal activity to ever make it stop. So you can continue do what you're doing, but you have to do it in Maine and Hastings and we'll kind of turn a blind eye to it all out of sight out of mind as far as the government's concerned it's like vancouver's best kept secret and it's shameful like honestly but they also experienced the defunding of social housing during this time period fast forward things again to 1997 and this is the beginning of the hiv epidemic and the rapid rise of drug overdoses So by the late 90s, there was a drug epidemic and the HIV epidemic. I guess mostly due to the sharing of needles. Like a pandemic or epidemic is kind of rare for any country to experience. But as of today, Vancouver is facing three of them at one time when you include the COVID-19 pandemic. The downtown Eastside became known as a place that attracts individuals with severe mental health problems and addiction issues. Mainly because all of the services for these issues are available in that one place. Now let's pause for a second and think just how big Canada is. It's huge. And most parts have winters with minus 40 degrees Fahrenheit, I think, or Celsius. I'm not sure, but minus 40 is cold no matter what. If you're homeless in minus 40, chances are that you're not going to survive. Vancouver is the warmest area in Canada and has the warmest winters. And it's well documented that other colder provinces buy bus tickets for their homeless people in their cities and basically send them off to Vancouver. It's a one way bus ticket. They get rid of the homeless out of their own city, send them to Vancouver where they have a better chance of surviving. And um, the problem is then that when they get there, they never leave. They all congregate in one main area. They kind of find strength in numbers and become part of the community. And as well as that, in all of Vancouver, the downtown east side is the highest proportion of males that live alone. Basically, a lot of creeps. And you'd actually notice them too when you're down there. Like a lot of down and out guys just kind of lurking on their own. For various reasons, like some guys are there to feed their drug habit. Some guys are banished from society so they end up down there like... lot of pedophiles basically. And uh, i I was in denial at start. I was like, nah, you're 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 having me on here, like, but it is true. I've done my research, it's actually true. Like some people are murderers on the run from the law. Honest to God, like you seriously wouldn't know who's sitting across from you on the bus, like and if all that wasn't enough, the government shut down BC's biggest mental hospital, Riverview it was a, It was home to thousands of people dealing with severe psychia- psychiatric issues such as schizophrenia, psychosis and just generally people who are incapable of leading a normal life. Riverview was closed down literally dumping patients out in the street and the amount of ex-patients who have fallen between the cracks ended up on the streets is outrageous. Outrageous, so many of them, many ex patients they're taken advantage of on the streets or they just become addicts, like I said earlier that the three main areas I'll be focusing on is homelessness, mental health, and the drug epidemic. But many people fall victim to one of these one of these issues or areas, you know, but um, you've gotta feel bad for the people that fall victim to all three and so many do like many times mental illness and drug addiction will co-occur with each other but imagine being a drug addict kicked out of your mental facility with nowhere to live no friends or family to call on um it's a tough existence it's a harsh reality that i think the government should really be ashamed of one thing i will say though is there's a sense of community down there like no other. I used to get small gifts from street people for giving them an ear to talk to, basically. Like a woman who doesn't know where she's getting her next meal from bought me a ticket to the PE in Vancouver because she heard I'd never been. I guess she was excited for me to check it out and talk to me about it the next day after I went. Uh, the PNE is a huge theme park in Vancouver, by the way, for anybody that's unfamiliar. But random acts of kindness like that just blew my mind and i'll honestly never forget my time down there so that's just a bit of brief history into how the downtown east side became what it is and if i've left out any key information please do let me know i'm sure there'll be one or two karens onto me anyway one way or another um but i think i'll leave it there for now and continue this discussion in the next episode there's gonna be a part two to this and um I'll touch on all those key points that I mentioned earlier. But to be honest, I could actually make a full podcast series about all this stuff. In fact, there is a few podcasts out there that cover this stuff in more detail. A new one called um, Vancouver, The Beautiful and Ugly. Give the host Mark a follow too on Instagram. I really like his content. Just search Vancouver True Crime on Instagram and you'll find them. He posts all major true crime stories in Vancouver and most of them are related to the downtown east side. You'd you'd actually be amazed with the amount of drug related crimes, pedos, uh, missing people, stabbings, all that kind of stuff. It's really mind blowing stuff and he's doing a fantastic job down there bringing awareness to these kind of issues. I just wanted to tell my own version and kind of cram it into two or three episodes so... I'm going to close the episode by sharing a short story that has no real meaning. I just wanted to like paint a picture with words and um, we'll pick it up then again in the next episode. So picture this. I'm at work in the heart of Main and Hastings. It's about half seven and it's just starting to get dark. The shop is quiet. I'm starting to clean up and do my usual closing duties. Suddenly, a middle-aged native man storms into the shop, crying out for help. He had been stabbed in the alley next door to the shop. A notorious alley that I urged nobody to walk down. Even the police are known to avoid this alley. Because we're a multi-million dollar cannabis dispensary, we don't want to be liable for this guy's death and forced to shut our doors. So our door guy says, Sorry bud, you can't die in here. You're getting blood all over the floor. Blood that I would have to mop up later on. So the poor guy goes out on the loud street to look for help and doesn't get it. Within 15 minutes the cops come into the shop and tell us that this is a crime scene. Ask all the customers to leave and close up immediately. I guess the guy bled out right outside the shop and died. So they start putting up yellow tape around the shop like something you'd only see on TV. We couldn't leave because we were witnesses. We had to give a statement, but it was really nothing substantial. We only witnessed the guy after the fact. I didn't actually see it happening, so after an hour or so, they did let us go. I duck under the yellow tape, start heading for my bus. To my left, there's a small group burning the tinfoil, shooting up. To my right, there's a woman taking a number two. Across the road, there's a few wheelie bins on fire and huge amounts of people standing around them for heat, all wheeling and dealing. As I walk down the street, I'm blinded by the smoke from a flare gun. Multiple shots let off from I don't even know what direction. Day is turning to night and that's when the wolves come out. The street is loud, it's chaotic and the smell of feces is unbearable. A man was stabbed to death here an hour ago and I feel like the whole street has already forgotten about him. People don't care. They're numb to the pain because it's such a regular occurrence. But I didn't forget. I looked that man dead in the eye minutes before he bled to death. Society would see him as another statistic. But when I saw him blood drooling from his mouth, I saw a son. I saw a brother, maybe even a father. A man whose potential was about to be wasted. All of his hopes and dreams were about to die on that sidewalk with him. And the worst part is, is that this wouldn't be my only time witnessing something like this. These kind of incidents would become like a weekly occurrence almost. Domestic disputes, stabbings, overdoses and random acts of violence. Every day in the downtown east side. Once again a major shout out and a big thanks to those many volunteers and unsung heroes who give up their time and selflessly help others. I don't think they get enough respect. But that same night I'm sitting at the bus stop thinking, this is hell on earth. It really is. Some people call it the four blocks of hell. It's like a scene from The Purge when you look around. Hastings and Maine, or as I said at the start, Wastings and Pain. I'm sitting there for 10 minutes observing all the misery that surrounds me. Thinking to myself, how did things get this bad in society? How do you ever fix this mess? Where do you even start? To find the answers, we need to address each problem individually and talk about it. And that's exactly what I'm going to do in the next episode. So stay tuned, more to come. Okay people, that's going to do it for this week. I appreciate each and every one of you. And we'll talk some more next time. Good night. God bless. Aim high. And keep living.